So take your Bibles now and go to Mark 11. Mark 11 is where we're going to be. We're, we're doing it. We're going into this triumphal entry, and I believe that as we study and really anticipate, here's why it's exciting to me. I think the two messages, the one I just read to you, confess men before me, me before men, and I will confess you before my angels, and, and if you sin against me, I'll forgive you, and if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven, and Jesus is really serious. It's like, don't miss it. This is really serious stuff. As a matter of fact, there's this crazy segue in Luke 12. He is talking about the most serious stuff, heaven and hell and forgiveness. In the very next verse, which I didn't read, some dude raises his hands, says, hey, Jesus, I need more money. It's like, did you say that? Are you not listening? And Jesus then kind of gives him a rebuke. We'll study that in about 15 weeks when we get there. But as we study this portion right now, what I want for you guys is what the Lord gave me last night, is this insight into Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, a donkey that had never been ridden before, a young donkey, fulfilling prophecy, demonstrating humility, in order that he would then endure his week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, death day. And that we would then this week leave here with the grander vision of Jesus. This can happen in Luke 12 or Mark 11 or anywhere in the scriptures you read. But I want us to really consider all that Jesus offers to you and I. Not just Passion Week, but really his life laid down for your life and for mine. It happened. It changes everything. And whether Jesus is preaching on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is, by the way, a message you don't want to miss, or he's riding on the back of a donkey, ready to pay for the sins of the world. His love is steadfast for you. His desire and heart for you is good. And I want you to see that and to get that here on this Palm Sunday. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads as you... Pray with me. We're in Mark 11. You can turn there. Sorry, guys, on the scriptures on the screen. We're doing Mark 11 today instead. Jesus, we love you so much, and we thank you again that you have called us and that you're so kind and so normal, yet so sovereign and so divine, and that we can gather in a warehouse that probably would actually work real well to store some donkeys. It's fine, and then you would be drawn to that, I believe. And yet we open up your word and want to not just be donkeys, but we want to be disciples. We want to know the word. We want to respond rightly. We want to grow. And whether it's Luke 12 or Mark 11, you ministering to the crowds, telling what they ought to see, what they ought to hear, we would be the first to say, yeah, we're those crowds. We need to see and we need to hear better. So we would volunteer and say, Lord, whether we feel like a donkey or we look at ourselves like a disciple, Either way, we volunteer today for you to have your way. We thank you, Jesus, for the men and women that are here. I thank you for my dad, his birthday, Lord, what, how you've changed his life and ministered to him and have just gotten so, such, such, such a hold of his heart. And we pray the same for all of us, Lord, that you would just find more room in our heart, that that would be the case, that would be the deal, that would be our goal. Lord, I pray for help, and I, I want to honor you as we just jump into the word, Lord. As a matter of fact, the last verse in Luke 12 I read was, take no thought in preparation for what you might share, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that moment. And so now as we open up to Luke 11, or John, Mark 11, may you, Lord, teach us. We love you so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said? 
Amen. Uh, just so you guys know how this works, you'll notice that December the 25th is always Christmas. Every December the 25th is Christmas, the celebration of Jesus' birth, even though that's probably not his actual birthday, but that is the day we celebrate his birth, and it doesn't vary or change. Easter Sunday and Palm Sunday are on different Sundays every single year. You have to check Google and ask Google, when is it going to be this year? You know, how's it working? It's always changing based on two things, okay? Primarily, it's based on the lunar calendar. When the new moon, the full moon from the time of the first day of spring is full. So spring is March 22nd. So anytime after March 22nd when there is a full moon will be Easter Sunday. So Easter Sunday's full moon is March the 31st. And then the next day, April the 1st, is Easter Sunday. That's coming up. And that is then also predicated upon the Jews as they celebrate Passover. They do the same thing on a lunar calendar. So Passover, that celebration that the Jews celebrate, even this year with the satyrs and the holy week and all of that anticipating what Jesus did and what God did for them back in the book of Exodus correlates with the same time, exact same time, the exact same time that Jesus Christ was crucified there during Holy Week on Passover when the sun had gone down, he was buried even as the lambs were being slain in Jerusalem. So just so you guys know why that changes and why we celebrate, we did have one gentleman is he here? I don't know. Email us and ask us why we celebrate a pagan holiday such as Easter. And if you know anything about history, Easter and Ishtar and the year 325 uh, AD. Was anybody there, by the way, 325? Anybody there? No, I wasn't there either. But anyways, in that day, there's some, some discrepancy about all of these things with the Catholic Church and the separate holidays that they had. And I don't celebrate any of that stuff. I celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And whether it's called Easter or Ishtar or... Resurrection Day, and some people get really mad. Don't call it Easter. Oh, you call it Easter, you know. It's Resurrection Day. I'm like, oh, okay, that's right on, thumbs up. Let's do it. Let's, let's call it that then, you know. We celebrate what Jesus has done and who Jesus is and how it impacts our lives. And so it, this is what we're going to do this week. And my, my encouragement to you as students, disciples, donkeys, people who are willing to let the Lord use you and ride you and take you wherever he wants you to go is to get into the scriptures this week. Read the scriptures in Matthew, beginning in chapter 21 all the way to 28, the, the Passion Week all the way through Good Friday. Uh, start in Mark 11, where we're at here, and read what happens all the way to chapter 16, and start in John 12, John 12 all the way to John 21. It's a lot of scripture, but what better time to spend in the Bible than Passion Week reading the texts? And I will say it this way, and I'll say it next week as well. The text that all four gospel writers include, the riding in on the donkey, the Passion Week, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. All four writers of the scriptures include these stories because all of the Bible points to these realities. And this is what your life is all about and what defines my life. And as this week comes upon us and next Sunday as we baptize people at all four services and add extra services and bring musicians in and do crazy things, we do so because it's the one thing that changes everything. Jesus is real, the gospel. And that's why you're here this morning. And that's why you can leave here this morning and be a better you than you came in. Don't try and be a better me, okay? Don't try and race against that person or them. You be a better you based on what Jesus has given to you. Don't you love hearing a good sermon? And you're like, oh, man, I wish so-and-so was here, you know? I got to get the MP3 and make sure they hear this, you know? <laughs> this will change their lives, you know? And the Lord's looking at you and go, what? Don't worry about them. It's for you. You let your life change. Don't worry about the other sheep, Blah, you know. 
yelling at other sheep. Well, so my encouragement to you again this week and uh, leading up to Friday and our Sunday services is to stay in the scriptures and just get fired up for this message. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 11. I'm going to read a couple verses and back it up. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you've entered in, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. This is the first Jedi mind trick you see in the scriptures where this is the Lord has need of it, you know. And the guy who owns the, the donkey's like, the Lord has need of it, you know. Like, oh yeah, I totally saw it, you know. This is where, just say the Lord has need. These are not the drones you're looking for, you know. And, and uh, it's all right here. This is where George Lucas was inspired. Verse four. So they went their way and they found the colt tied by the door outside on the street. <laughs> and they loosed it. I wonder who he sent. It doesn't say. Was it Peter and James? Was it? John and Andrew, was it Simon and Bartholomew? Who was it? doesn't say. Probably two ex-thieves, let's be honest. So, you know, like, two guys, like, hey, can you guys go in there and steal a colt? Like, you sure? We will. We'll do it. Don't, don't test us, Jesus. We're crazy, you know. And he goes steal the, you know, that's what he's doing here. And he sends these guys in, and they go. Verse 6, and it says, as, as they spoke to them, wait, verse 5, but some of those who stood there said to them, hey, what are you doing loosening the colds? And they spoke to them, just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus. And they threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. Now, I don't know how this impacts you. I'm gonna study, we're going to study it in just a second. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. This is that great scene where the palm branches come out. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They're singing, Hosanna means save now. The Bible describes this scene in all four Gospels with different elements and details. People screaming and lining the streets. The normal population of Jerusalem during this time, about 100,000 people. But when this festival would happen, this feast, it would swell 10 times as much. A million or so people here in Jerusalem, packed wall to wall. And in comes this rabbi, Jesus, who most knew, some did not, and yet all were drawn to. And what's he come riding in on? Harley Davidson, you know? I mean, would that make sense? Just a bit, Harley's, aren't Harley's awesome? Just the sub, the exhaust pipe, like, what in the world? You know, no, not Jesus. He comes in on the moped, you know? <laughs> moped. I like mopeds. I'm not ashamed to ride a moped. I like mopeds, you know, I love mopeds. But I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't expect that. I would expect a horse, you know? Stallion, it's from great steed, man. Just like, yeah, dude, come in just like a boss. Here's the deal, though. Jesus is going to come on a stallion, on a steed, on a horse, like a boss, when he comes to fight and to do war against his enemies. Here in this scene, he's not coming to do war against his enemies. He's coming to lay himself down a sacrifice, humble, meek, and obedient. These guys and gals, all of them, wanted someone to come and wage war against the Romans, against the oppression against the government. They wanted someone to come in there and make Jerusalem great again. Come in there and drain the swamp. It was messed up in Jerusalem. You know, if you think there's a political hotbed in our day, and there is, in that day even more so. 
Oh, here comes Jesus. Finally, finally. What's he, what's he riding? Is that a donkey? It looks like a donkey. That, that's, that's, that's not even a full-grown donkey. You know, that's a baby donkey. You know, was it, were his feet dragging? I don't know, you know. Maybe that's why they put the jackets on there to prop him up a little. I don't know. I don't know. And everyone had their speculations, what he's going to do. So speculative were they. And I'm not saying that their worship was illegitimate. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Here's the problem. You guys know this. This is Sunday. Monday would come and go. Tuesday would come and go. Wednesday would come and go. Thursday, they would have the Last Supper, John 13. And, and that night, Thursday night, Jesus would be betrayed, arrested, beaten. And his trials would begin that night. He would go through six trials. The examination of the Lamb. And on Friday morning around 7, the sixth trial with Pilate. Second one with Pilate, but the sixth altogether. Friday morning, early. Everyone, these guys, everyone gathered. So mad for some reason. They had turned, not Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, but crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus knew on Sunday, palm branches, donkeys, humility. As a matter of fact, the culmination of the story is seen in Luke 19, 41, where Jesus rides in, there's palm branches everywhere. He's sitting on a big stack of SBC hoodies. Everyone's fired up. Man, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Jesus weeps. What? Weird. He weeps. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, had you known the day of your visitation and the peace that awaits you, but you did not. And here, they're, you know, and he knew their hearts. Because they wanted a political freedom. They wanted financial reprieve. They wanted emotional balance. They wanted all these things down here that you and I are attracted to, that you are I concerned with, that you and I want. All these, and they're not bad things. But Jesus comes and he says, I'm on another level. I'm on another level. I'm not just here. As a matter of fact, in Luke 12, where we should be and we are not. I apologize. Not apologize. A man asks for arbitration. Lord, arbitrate. Help me. I need to get more money. My brother's not giving me enough. There's a problem here. Pops is gone, dividing up the inheritance. Got a problem. Here, I hear you're the man. And Jesus says, is there a fight between you and somebody? That's not, what? I'm not here to settle squabbles. Not that Jesus doesn't want squabbles settled. Jesus, though, is after something completely different than your agenda today. I guarantee you. And if that doesn't sit well with you, you too will one day in a moment of disappointment Maybe not say, crucify him, but you will say, I'm going elsewhere. I'm done with you. Beans on you. Going elsewhere. Give me back my hoodie, too. You took my hoodie, you know. Why'd you sit on my hoodie, you know? And, you, and you'll, you'll, you'll be frustrated if you don't see what Jesus wants us to see in this text. As a matter of fact, we're still reading. Look at verse 8, Mark 11. 
And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. It's the wrong kingdom, by the way, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Look at verse 11. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple And so when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. What? Stop right there, eyes up here. We're going to start back at the beginning. Jesus gets off his moped, and he just looks at all of Jerusalem. Freak out. What did he see? He left. Went back to, he never stayed the night in Jerusalem. He traveled two miles back to Bethany every night during the Holy Week. Never stayed the night there. The only night he stayed there was the night he was betrayed. And on this Sunday, Hosanna, leaves, man, people, autographs. He comes in and he looks at the temple. The next day he would come back on Monday. We'll talk about that at the end. His, his week comes back the next day and curses the fig tree on the way in. You guys know the story. He walks in, he sees a fig tree on the way to Jerusalem. It's the time of early figs. Not the best figs, but early figs. And he's hungry. And he goes to this tree expecting something because it's got the leaves indicating it's got fruit. There is no fruit on that tree. Jesus, using it as a symbol, curses it, goes back into Jerusalem, cleanses the temple, gets crazy. You guys know Tuesday would come back and that fig tree would be cursed. And the disciples are like, whoa, dude, what's happening? How did you do that? I didn't know we had Roundup here already, you know. That's crazy. And I want this week for me. I don't know about you. I'm excited about Easter. But, but this week, I, I, I need my mind to be engaged not just for Easter, but for what Jesus is concerned about. He's in Jerusalem. This is like the holy city. It's the best, best church in the world. He looks at it. He says, I'm going to go pray. He goes, he leaves. I'm going to go pray. And he comes back and gets crazy the next day. Let's look at verse one again. Back it up. Mark 11, Jesus is presenting himself to Jerusalem during that feast of Passovers, and this would be the time when everyone would be bringing their lambs, by the way, submitting them for inspection. You guys know that they wouldn't just accept any old lamb there for the Passover celebration, and they would inspect these lambs, make sure that they were flawless, perfect. So too, Jesus, I believe during this week leading up to the trials would say, check me out. Let's see what's going on because I'm about to die. And for you who are here today still like double clicking on Jesus, wondering, should I go all in? You know, what's he really got? Is there another, you know, maybe I should ask Wikipedia, you know. Hey Siri, who's Jesus, you know. You're still trying to figure it out. Jesus isn't necessarily afraid of that. He's like, yeah, check me out. What, I'm not afraid. Look, good, turn me over, check me out. 
but you better be careful how you react. Because if you make a, a poor decision, if you, if you miss the opportunity to surrender to me and let me be your shepherd, it's not going to be based on your wisdom and good choices. It'll be based on your stiff neck, hard heart, pride, and rebellion. He says, be careful. You can reject Jesus. You, you can. You have that free will, he says here. But he, he gives us the ample time to check him out, to know, to see, to taste, to touch, to feel, to sense, and then to decide, he's my king. He's my savior. That's what's going on. Look at verse 11. It says, now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Stop right there and eyes up here. I like this scene. If you've never been to Jerusalem, I've been there a couple times. It is really amazing. When you come into the city, it's a, it's a big deal. As a matter of fact, when you're on the tour bus driving into the city of Jerusalem, the way you begin your tours is you land in Tel Aviv and then you go ahead and check out the western seashore of the Mediterranean Sea and you go up to Galilee for the first three or four or five days and you stay in kibbutzes and you do all kinds of cool stuff and you eat falafel and all kinds of great food. And then after about four or five days you make the journey down to or should I say up to south but up to Jerusalem and when you drive into Jerusalem every single tour bus every single person stops everything and puts on a special song on the bus and says guys guys we're about to drive into Jerusalem it's a big deal and they begin to play this song and you drive in it just takes your breath away and Jerusalem is designed to do that and here these guys are coming in from Bethpage from Bethany all the way to the Mount of Olives, which goes down the Kidron Valley, then up that eastern wall to the beautiful gate there. It's been sealed up by the Turkish government because they heard that the Messiah was going to come through it one day, and they said, we're going to make sure he never does that. And the next verse says, by the way, they're going to seal it up before he does that. And so anyway, it's all sealed, and, and they're, they're looking. And there's the gate. And I wonder if they're all just taking it in. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, hey, Quit taking in the view. It's time to do stuff. I'm like, what? What'd you say? You know? and, he, and he tells two of these guys, stop looking around and go do stuff because he's up to something. I'm going to go into Jerusalem. Well, can't we just walk in? No, no, no. We got to do it right. And so I'm going to give you instructions now, what we're doing next. I want you to go get a donkey and you're going to have to steal it. It's going to be okay. I got to kind of waver there. I kind of own everything. It's fine. They're going to be okay with it. It's going to be grace for you and it's all going to be good. And, and I wonder if they were thinking in their heads like, can we, can we just walk in, dude? Like, this is so weird. And why are you having me do this? And I'm trying to check out the view. I was going to do an Instagram, you know, and, and I got to go work now. Here's the deal. And you might even ask, why, why, do, why do we have to do what God says to do? Here's why, because it's a big deal. Okay, your little act of obedience is a big deal. And hear this today. Whatever God's calling you to do right now, it's a big deal. One of Satan's biggest strategies is to convince you and I that our lives are not that important. And when we fudge around here and minimize that there, it's not, not that big a deal. Like, why do we need to do this? And I don't know where you're at right now. I, I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of acquaintances and I, and I meet with a lot of people. And most of them are just kind of just struggling with what to do. What do I do? What do I do? And it's really fun when you talk with a Christian because that's kind of how I preface my counseling. Like, oh, are you, are you a Christian? You know, do you want to? Are you a Christian? And, and it's usually kind of a trick question because they are, you know. Also, well, this is going to be easy then. Let's get the book open. What's it say to do? You know, it's easy. You know, it's just your, your rebellion and my rebellion gets in the way. And if you are a Christian, it's right here. God's principles are not hard to understand. 
okay? It's just for you and I to agree. I, I need to do that. I need to forgive. I need to serve. I need to bless. I need to trust. I need to stop. I need to refrain from this or I need to partake in that. Whatever it is. You can reject, though. These guys could have said, you know, this isn't that big a deal. Satan wants us to believe that our relationships and our conversations, everything we do, it doesn't matter. I can just let myself go here and not worry about that. Just a normal deal. There's a lot of disciples here this morning. And I guarantee you the devil has gotten into your head a little bit, and, and you are convinced that you don't matter. You're just background noise. You're just filling a pew. These aren't pews, but they're chairs. Just filling a, a you know, row. I don't matter. If I don't show up anymore, if I quit that, if I stop that, I can pick the bottle up again. It's not that big a deal. It's not illegal. I can, I can go there. And the devil wants you to just kind of do your own thing. And here I wonder if there was rebellion in their hearts. Jesus says, I need two dudes to go do something that is very, very important. And they might not have even seen it that way. It's oftentimes I don't see it that way. And Jesus says, we've got to do this right. Go get me a donkey. And they go. And it doesn't say who they are. It just says that two go. Go borrow that donkey. Now, would you, how, how would you respond for, for these guys, not in your situation? Like, Jesus is already in a lot of trouble. Like, you're kind of trying to sneak into Jerusalem, maybe, like, quietly. They've been warning him, like, don't go there, bro. Like, you're kind of a, kind of a hot topic. And he's like, well, how about we steal a donkey and ride in? It's like, I don't know, you know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> let's just, let's not do that. And I, I argue with what the Lord says. That's why last night when I was praying about this, or not even praying about this, I just was reading, and the Lord said, isn't this fun? I was like, yeah, it's pretty fun. He says, let's talk about it tomorrow. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of risky. I've been studying all day, Lord, you know, for something else. Why would, why would God ask you to do some of the things he asks you to do? Here, 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 for their case, you guys know this. It's because the Bible says that this is how it would be. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It's a prophecy. It's really that important. It really is that cataclysmic. It needs to be this way. So too, with whatever God has called you to do, you could argue, I don't know if I really want to stay married. I don't know if I really want to get married. I, you know, I'm here. I don't, know, I don't know if I really want to claim that or do this. I don't know if I want to make this right. Well, what does the Bible say about it? See, the Bible says right here that Jesus cannot walk into Jerusalem unless he's on the back of a donkey. He's got to be this way. Now, here's the cool thing, is when Matthew, I believe, was writing his gospel, he records and fills in Zechariah 9.9 and says, it's because it was written. And John goes on to say, we didn't know it at the time. We had no clue. We didn't piece it all together. We weren't aware. We weren't reminded of that particular prophecy until afterwards. We're like, no way. You mean it all had something to do with something? Whoa, because the Lord's always doing stuff. My prayer for you guys this morning in our group time, 8.30, you're all welcome to join us was that God would grant us some maturity today as a, as a congregation. Not a weird, stoic, stuffy, you know, whatever, maturity. But one that just says, I'm going to do what the Lord wants. Yeah, I'm going to do what the Lord wants. And get excited about it. I'm going to know what the Lord wants. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it. And you get excited about doing what the Lord wants. So here's my question. What's God telling you to do right now? What's he telling you to be a, a part of? What's he telling you to let go of? And part of discipleship is doing what you're told to do, even if you don't understand it. Having three kids as they get older is real cool because they're able to do things when you just tell them to. 
know what I'm saying? But they're starting to, they're starting to figure it out. As I tell them to do, you know, menial chores and go do this and go do that. And hey, would you get me that? And now my boys are starting to look at me like, what? And, and Nemo's been kind of, he's fun, you know, and it's all in jest, if you would. And Nemo's 80. He's like, hey, dad, you need to stop being so lazy, you know. And I, was, and I just, you know, I let it go. I was like, all right, bro, that's cool. Do what I said, you know. <laughs> and what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is a couple things. Number one, I'm trying to get stuff done. You know, I'm doing stuff. I'm making dinner and doing the dishes. And, oh, hey, I need, I need my backpack out of my car, Nemo. Would you go grab that? Oh, Dad, you're pretty lazy. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to let that slide, you know. <laughs> but what I want my boys and my daughter to learn to do is just to, to obey, to be able to serve to be able to do what they're asked to do. It's part of discipleship. And, and you learn that as, at a young age, and, and you learn that as a Christian, and God just says something. You don't get it all the time. You're not going to understand. You might not even value the things that God values. Ah, I'm not going to do that. Why not? Did, I mean, or whatever the Lord, what's he telling you to do right now? It's really cool, because in Luke's gospel, the way Luke I'm sorry, John. When John records this story, he says, and when Jesus found his donkey, he got on it. And I read that, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Jesus didn't find no donkey. The two dudes found the donkey. And the way John put it later, no, Jesus did it through his boys. And if you understand that what God is asking you to do in your family or in your community, that's just me. It's, not, it's, a, it's a menial task. It's a menial commitment. It's a menial objective. It doesn't really matter. And what if Jesus would say, hey, I'm doing something through you. Doing something. It's not, we think of ourselves as free agents quite often, do we not? Well, Lord, I thank you for saving me. I appreciate that. I'm going to be over here doing a bunch of fun stuff. If you need me, let me know. I'll let you know if I'm, a, I'm, I'm available. You know, send me a text, you know alert me. And the Lord says, what? <laughs> I'm going to let that slide. Do what I said. <laughs> oh, you know. The principle we learned last week, Jesus is always doing stuff. He's always doing stuff. How, mu how many things have you missed that Jesus said, hey, would you go get that donkey for me? No, I'm good. Okay. How about you? Would you go get the donkey? Sure. And, and then you're, you missed. You missed it. Because it's crazy. Dare I say it this way, the Lord needed the donkey. He did. Not in a panic, debilitating way. But it was the way that he had chosen to come into Jerusalem. He needed it. Again, if you've had kids before, you don't have to explain to them all the details of what's going on. I try and train my kids to not ask the question, what, before they give the response, okay. Hey, go do this. What? No, say okay. Say okay, compliance. Then you can ask questions. But I don't give you any answers until there's compliance. And I will, I will, I'll clue, them, I'll clue them in. But I want them to get these principles. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. Because the Lord has chosen in his sovereignty to rule all things and to decide what is right and wrong. And you and I are rebellious. Just rebellious. We shouldn't do it this way. You mean this way? You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that way. What are you doing? I just want to see what happened. Okay, here we go. 
The Lord needed that donkey. And it's a holy cooperation that the Lord gives to you and to I. And he says, oh, I need you to do these things. It's how I've chosen. When Jesus fed the 5,000, I mean, could he not have done it on his own? He could have done it on his own. And this is your biggest pushback and argument to what the Lord wants to do and what he's clearly revealed in his word and how he wants to include you. He can do it some other way. He's God. He'll figure it out. I've talked to people counseling in their marriages that are about to end. And their reasoning is, well, it'll work out. It'll be fine. It'll, it will work out. And, and they get this lot. It'll, it doesn't need to be the way he wants it. It will be fine. They could have believed that. Jesus, there's a bunch of people. And Jesus said, you feed them. What? What do you got? He needed that. And they gave the five loaves and two fish to him. And he took it from him and gave it back to him. He needed it. It's mine. No, it's yours. Go do it. This is wild. Because again, there's such lazy rebellion in the heart of man. All of us. I don't need to pray. I don't need to read. I don't need to evangelize. It'll work out. And the Lord says, I want you to read. I want you to pray. And I want you to evangelize. <sighs> what? And we begin to rebel. Look at verse 2. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you. They're just staring at Jerusalem. And as soon as you've entered it, you will find a colt on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. Stop right there and just consider the direction he sends them. They've been walking towards Jerusalem, and they get there. And Jesus is like, hey, back there about a mile. He's like, what? We, the village opposite us? Didn't we? Couldn't we? And usually when God calls you to do something that takes faith, it's in the opposite direction that you want to go. I mean, usually, just because you're a rebel and so am I. And I want to do it this way. And I was like, hey, you want to do something together? Yeah, what are we going to do? The opposite of what you're doing. Oh, fun, you know. <laughs> Tell me more, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a rule in my life. Whatever I want to do is probably wrong. Like, it's just a rule. I'm like, okay, Lord, here's what I want to do. But I'm just making fun of myself early. Like, what do you want to do, you know? I'm the, I'm the joke here, and I'm, just, I'm realizing that. And the Lord calls us to the opposite of the direction we're usually heading in. And he gives them this direction. I like verse 3. This is really cool. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately, he will send it here. Again, they would understand it and accept that then more readily because they didn't see Jesus in the same way that you and I do, resurrection power. They, they had seen the miracles and the signs and wonders. But this base idea, Jesus needs it, is, is interesting to factor into your supreme sovereignty of God and who he is. Because he's going to be just fine with or without your cooperation. Is he not? At least that's the lie. He's going to advance his kingdom. He's going to save all of Newport. He's going to do a work. He's going to serve the church. He's going to fund the projects. He's going to do this with or without my participation. He'll do it. And the Lord says, when you go to that guy, you tell him, I need your donkey. I need it. I need the five loaves and the two fish. He needed Peter's boat. When he saw him on the shore, he said, Peter, bring your boat. I need your boat. I've got to preach. Too many people. Can I, can I borrow your boat real quick? Oh, yeah, sure. 
He needed Moses' staff. He needed the things that we have, and he needs the things that he's given to you. This is kind of cool. It's actually kind of scary, but kind of cool. How many of you guys have stuff? Okay. How many of you guys have, like, stuff, and then you have, like, a place to put your extra stuff, like, down the road? You're like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got so much stuff, you know. Wouldn't it be cool if the Lord had a plan for your stuff? Like, whatever it is. Like, from time to time, like, your, your things, your couch, your, your dining room table. You know, he gave you a house. He gave you a car. Here, here this guy has a donkey, some, some unknown donkey owner. I need your donkey. What? Get your own donkey. You know, no, no. You tell him the Lord needs it, and he'll give it to you. And I, again, I, I just wonder how many things the Lord's given to us that he has need of that, that we can partner with him. And, and just, it's, you gotta trust the Lord. You guys trust the Lord? Like if I start telling you I need your stuff, you're gonna have to like put like, you know, oh, let's have a conversation here first, Luke, you know. Because I'm Luke and you can't really trust me like you can God. Don't just give me a key to your house. Well, you can, but no, no, don't, you know. God, though, you can say, Lord, thank you for all my stuff. And I am a a faithless, rebellious person. But I want to be faithful and compliant. So here's my donkey. Here's my stuff. And just, just whenever you need it. Did you know when this guy got his donkey back, it had been ridden by Jesus Christ? That's a pretty sweet donkey right there. That's a legit donkey. Like, hey, is that that one donkey? You know, that's that one donkey. Like, no way. That's a nice donkey. Here's the principle I taught you guys before. Without him, I can't, and without me, he won't. It's a cooperation. And you don't, you don't have to make anything up. Jesus will direct. This was in the scriptures, Zechariah chapter 9. All this was there. All you got to do is say, Lord, without you, I can't do anything. But without me and my donkey, you won't do anything. Now, you got to really take this to the scriptures and take this to your knees and really, is this true? Without my stuff, the, the Lord won't move forward? That's what he's chosen. Without my voice, without my willingness, and what I would just implore you guys and gals to do today is just to surrender your, your, your dollars, days, time, treasure, and talent. And trust the Lord that he's going to use your stuff and give it back to you. Blessed. You guys know the scriptures, Malachi 4. He says, test me. Give me some stuff when I ask for it, and I'll give you more stuff than you could ever imagine. Just the way it works. I'm bless you. Wouldn't that be fun to take this for a spin this week? Give more of your emotional reserve to your spouse, to your kids, to your employees or employer, or the people you are around. Just give more of yourself. Ah, I feel so dry. I feel so, I don't have anything. Try it. Just give a little bit and see if it doesn't come back. Blessed. I'm just going to give. I'm just going to be, I'm going to trust the Lord. Just partner with him. And I don't want to get to heaven and find out how many things that God gave me that he needed along the way. Verse 4 says, so they went their way. I like these guys. I, I can't wait. Who, who were those guys? Which ones were, you know, they went they could have rock, paper, scissors with the other guys. They could have cried. What a weird task. I bet the other 10 were laughing at him. Ha ha. Ooh, good luck with that, boys. You know, 
we'll come, let you, we'll come get you out of jail after hijacking that donkey, you know. So they went their way, and they found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. When they walk in obedience, they found it exactly how he had said. They wouldn't have found it exactly as he said unless they had simple obedience. And let me just tell you something right now. You guys want to know where the, the, the key is to all the locks and the roadblocks in your life? Simple obedience. I guarantee you, you're troubled over many things this morning. What's the big, what's the, end? and it's probably a very simple step of obedience. Very simple. And then that step leads to another step, and it leads to a lifestyle of obedience. I'm just going to do what the Lord says. I'm going to stop doing it my way. And this simple step. So here's a couple questions I have for you. Because these guys walked into, I mean, can you imagine walking into this town, not even named, like, oh, there's a Dude, there's a donkey that's never been ridden. This is so crazy. Then they untie it. And some cat comes out. Hey, what are you doing with my donkey? You know, well, uh, the Lord has need of your donkey. You know, oh, the Lord has need of my donkey. Go ahead. You know, no big deal. You know, like, what? what? Miracles start to happen through just a simple act of obedience. So here's some of the most simple things that the Lord asks us to do. He asks us to pray, to be people of prayer. It's a discipline that we are not very good at, in my opinion. Some of you are, and I thank you. So here's, here's the question, though. Do you pray? And you might say, nah, it's, just, it's weird, it's hard, it, I don't even know if it works, you know, it's just, have you ever prayed before and then not prayed again because it didn't work the first time you prayed? You know, like, I pray, I don't know, just, I don't know, nothing happened, it's weird, okay? Pray, pray. It'll be a simple step of obedience. What about reading the Bible? I don't know, it's, it's so much of it, man. I read one time and I got distracted and next thing I know my phone was on top of my Bible and I was on Facebook. I couldn't believe it, you know. I don't know what happened, you know. Or maybe you get, even worse, you have the Bible on your phone, you know, and you're like on your phone reading the Bible for like a second and then you're like taking selfies, you know. You're like, I don't know what happened, you know. What about giving? Do you give? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really see how giving will be a blessing for me and I, I need that money and... I don't give, I don't pray, I don't read, and, and Jesus would say, those, those are simple. Do, do those things. What about serving? Uh, I don't find myself serving so much, and I actually want to be served. There's all these areas where the Lord would just say to these guys, go do it. They did it. They walked into a miracle. wonder what the Lord would have for you. This is how I want your week to look this week. Just wake up tomorrow or leave here today saying, okay, Lord, here I am. Where, where, where's the miracle? What's the task? James chapter 1, verse 22 says, don't be a hearer only, but be a doer of the word. These guys went, they tested the Lord, and it worked. Look at verse 5. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing, loosen the colt? Which, by the way, they anticipated this. And I want you to also, as you leave here today and consider what's next, to anticipate also opposition. I'm so glad the Lord warned them of this. Hey, go get that donkey. I mean, couldn't the Lord have said, go get the donkey. The owner is inside cooking scrambled eggs, okay? He won't even see you take it. Like, couldn't the Lord have said that? Like, couldn't the Lord have prevented this? Op the Lord knew the opposition. Hey, what are you doing with that donkey? And the Lord then provided the scapegoat for the donkey, you know, the Jedi mind trick. And, and all the provision, so too, the Lord says, I want you to do things. And there's going to be opposition. There's going to be pushback. 
You're going to want to get up early and pray. You're going to want to join that group. You're going to want to serve here. You're going to want to give there. There's going to be pushback in a trial to everything you try and do with obedience. And you might say, whoa, Lord, I tried that and it got hard. I joined that life group and they were mean to me. Can't go back, you know. Or I joined that life group and I was mean to them. They won't let me back, you know. <laughs> or I went to there. I started serving in Sunday school. Man, and those kids are horrible, you know. Take, taking care of other people's kids, you know. Or, or I started giving, I got stressed out about money. I can't get 10% like the Bible says. I can't do it, it's too hard. Or I can't be nice, I can't forgive that. All these things, because you're afraid of the opposition. Listen, there's gonna be opposition, there's gonna be testing, and Jesus has made a way for you. This is where it gets fun. If you're an adventurist or kind of just wanna see the Lord do stuff, like I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that person, set up a meeting. I've got people on my list this week to call and meet with that I need to meet with. And in my flesh, I don't want to. Don't want to, but I'm going to. I feel the Lord saying, do it, do it. What if there's opposition? I, there's gonna be opposition. I know it, it's okay. There's gonna be opposition from others, your own flesh, the enemy. I don't like opposition, but I'm learning to expect it, but I'm also realizing that God's word is my defense. Notice their defense in verse four. Or I'm sorry, verse six. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded so they let them go. When this opposition came, this pushback, they just recalled what Jesus had told them to do. If you want to be a super satisfied Christian, know God's word, okay, simply, front, front to back, like spend the rest of your life getting to know it, the whole context, not just small truths and, you know, unique truths that you like, but just the whole, kind of the whole flavor. What's the Lord doing? Well, the Lord has given to us the ministry of reconciliation between God and man and between man and man. He's like, this is what we do it. We're moving forward. This is a good day. And the Lord loves us. And, and well, I don't want to do this. Well, yeah, of course you don't. You're a stiff-necked rebel. But what's God's word say? And when somebody challenges you, if you know the word, that's how they defended themselves. That's how Jesus defended himself in the garden. And the thing about God's word is you've got to know it and believe it. And by the way, even if you do know it and don't believe it, it's still true, just so you know. Like, pick a camp, but pick the right one. I used to say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, right? Kind of true, but really it's God said it, that settles it. <laughs> Who cares if you believe it or not? Like, you should. <laughs> but he said it, it's good. Jesus told us we could have this donkey. And they got the donkey. The Bible says that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Wouldn't this be fun if you believe that this week? conversations with people that you know or difficult situations and you knew what God's word was on it. I think God wants me just to, to do this and it's really risky and it's sketch and the Bible says that God will make things work. He'll, he'll provide for you in ways. When you honor him, he honors you. Remember that one time in Nehemiah in chapter one of the great book of Nehemiah? before the book of Psalms, Esther, Nehemiah, Job, Psalms, Nehemiah, chapter one. And Nehemiah had this idea, this heartfelt revelation, I should go to Jerusalem, that's what I should do. And so he went to his boss, and he said, hey, can I get like two years off? Kind of a big deal, you know. Two years, you want two years off? Well, well I guess so, he, he, anything else? I need your credit card. <laughs> Read it. Anything else? It'd be really nice to have a military escort, you know? Okay, you know, what, okay, I'll do all that. <laughs> what? Because he knew it was God's heart to rebuild. 
And God will just he'll blow the doors open for you and for me. All this is happening at the onset of Holy Week. Jesus coming into Jerusalem, teaching his boys these great lessons. It says, then they brought the colt, verse 7, to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. This is scripture being fulfilled. They didn't know it at the time. They would later on in Luke 24, the Bible says Jesus opened up their hearts to the word, all the things pointing to him, and they would get it. No way, no way. That, that was important. I thought you were just being weird, Jesus. Like, that was weird, the whole donkey thing. That didn't make no sense. He's like, oh, no, that was big time. And then maybe they even had a further correlation to his mom. Another prophecy, Micah 5, talking about where Jesus would be born out of Nazareth and born in Bethlehem. And remember when his mom came in, what was she writing on? A moped, just like Jesus. And here she, he, he, was, she, he was inside her, and she's on this donkey riding into Bethlehem to be born. And now here Jesus is riding in on a donkey to die. This full circle, this perfect picture. And again, you and I, we just, I don't know why that's important. This is irrelevant. And the Lord says, no, this is very relevant. Look what these people do. And we're running out of time here. I don't think we're going to get into Luke 12. I was ready. I was ready. I've got it locked and loaded. Verse 8 says, And many spread their clothes on the road and cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I like verse 8 because it does show the people's response, which is the right response with Jesus, humility and service. Oh, you need, you need a saddle? Okay, you can have my jacket. And, and these, you don't just wave palms at nobody. The palm branch in that day would be similar to the bald eagle for our country or the maple leaf if you're a Canadian. It's a big deal. The palm is a nationalistic, patriotic way of celebration. And they're honoring him in worship and they're honoring him in service. And I would say at this moment they're doing the right thing. So too you and I, we're called to honor the Lord in our worship and our humility. I remember one time I was at the Applegate Christian Fellowship and Scott Shones was there. And I was living there and he was visiting. And he had this sweatshirt on. And I remember just looking, I was like, dude, that's what, and he made it with like some spray paint. You know, so like, I'll make you fishers of men, Matthew 4, 4. And I was like, dude, that sweatshirt is so legit. He's like, do you like it? I said, I, I do. <laughs> Ripped it right off, said, here, it's yours. And he gave it to me. And I, and I still have that sweatshirt in my closet. It's like 15 years ago, maybe, maybe 18 years ago. I just remember that humility. Ah, yeah, whatever. And these guys are doing that. They have this humility to just rip off. Here, take my stuff. Waving, serving. Now, again, I mentioned earlier in the opening comments that these guys were actually fired up, though, for some sort of deliverance politically. They had heard of Jesus. So they begin to shout out Hosanna. And look at verse 10. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. They, they didn't quite get it that there was a bigger than David, a greater than David there, Jesus, a greater kingdom. I don't have time to develop that thought, but, but Jesus wasn't into their nationalistic plight. And I can just say this 
bluntly. He's also not into ours. You can be. That's okay. But don't drag him into it. You should vote. You should be concerned. You should lobby and you should be aware. Do it. But don't, don't mix the kingdom of God with our kingdom. It's very, very different. He doesn't have the same interest that you do. And Jesus, verse 11, went into Jerusalem, into the temple. When he looked around at all things, at the hour, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I just, I want you guys to understand what happens next. He leaves. Silence. He comes back early on Monday because they needed him. Curses the fig tree, cleanses the temple. On Tuesday, he would go back to Bethany Monday night. On Tuesday, he would come back in and he would teach more people, causing more controversy, debating with the Pharisees. He would give the Olivet Discourse. He would teach and he would lead and there would be fights all day. On Wednesday, this is known as the silent day. Nobody knows what happened on Wednesday. We don't know if he came in and there's no record of it or if he stayed in Bethany with his friends. There's no teaching recording on Wednesday, which is why we don't have a Wednesday midweek service also. I kid. <laughs> There's other reasons. <laughs> Thursday, and, and I actually was thinking about this. Why didn't he go in on Wednesday? He, he would go in on Thursday, and he would never go out. He would, he would die. That would be his last. Wednesday, I believe, was his last time in Bethany with his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That's where he was staying at. He loved him. And I believe he, did, he didn't go in on Wednesday because he knew when he went in on Thursday, he's not coming back out. He'd go in on Thursday, have that supper at night, Thursday night, take the boys on a walk, John 15, through the vineyard, to the Garden of Gethsemane, John 18, the arrest, the betrayal, the trials, John 19, crucifixion, John 20. All that was coming. So he goes in on Thursday He has the Last Supper. On Friday, we'll be gathering here at 6 p.m. for our Good Friday service, recounting out the culmination of this week. I'm going to have the worship team come up and actually lead us in a song. We're in a commune today. And as awesome as this story ends, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, like fired up. You guys know how Sunday starts, right? Tears, everyone's weeping, <laughs> you know. Peter's freaking out. <laughs> he made some huge mistakes. Huge mistakes. He had a really rough bender weekend. Not cool. He went hard. Denied the Lord. Jesus knows all this. And when he comes in on Sunday, Palm Sunday, fulfilling scripture, so in control. Get that donkey. It's really important. And yet the Bible says in Luke 19:41. That when Jesus looked out over Jerusalem, he wept because they did not know the day of their visitation. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. And I would just ask you this morning before we come to the table, maybe to humble yourself in such a way where you say, Lord, ah, oh, Lord, I don't want to miss it either. As a matter of fact, close your eyes right now. Lord, I don't want to miss it either. I don't want to miss it. If they missed it, they had Jesus Christ in the flesh right there with them. And yet Jesus said, you missed it. 
And because Jesus is so faithful, he still went to the cross on their behalf, even though they were rebels, even though they missed it. And so too this morning, as we gather together, we can do so, knowing that Jesus died for our sins and our mistakes. And Lord, that is our faith. That is what we cling to. And as the elements are brought out and we prepare to take communion and you're here, if you would just say this week, you just want the Lord to move in your heart a little more. You want the Lord to touch you. You would confess even say, Lord, search my heart. I think I, I probably for sure got some areas that are jacked up. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you say, Lord, I don't, I don't want to miss the opportunity to grab a donkey for you or to let you borrow mine. I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to, I don't want to get it wrong. Or maybe, maybe you're here this morning and say, Lord, I'm so politically involved and I'm so, man, we've got to do this and this is so important, so important. And maybe, maybe this morning you say, Lord, is it, is it, is it that important? Is, that, is it that important? And whatever the case is, you would just humble yourself this morning and say, Lord, would you just tell me what you want me to know? Raise your hand up right now if you want the Lord to be your Lord. You want to see him. You want to confess him before men as Luke tells us in chapter 12. You don't want to commit that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to reject him. You want to obey him and bow down to him. Raise your hand right now. All of us, raise your hand. Don't, don't leave here without Jesus being your king. Lord, our hands are up. And I pray in Jesus' name, a blessing. You can put your hands down. A blessing on this week. Take us deeper. Transform us. Renew our minds. Do in us, Lord, something new. And we thank you, Jesus, for all you've already done. Your great faithfulness. Thank you for your steadfast love that you, like a flint, your face set toward Jerusalem, said, I'm going, boys, I'm going. Fulfilling scripture, setting captives free. We pray that we too, us men and us women, here today, would say we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of what you're doing. So Lord, bless my brothers and my sisters with divine direction today to do what you told them to do. Get going. Figure it out. God will meet you there. Whoa, there's going to be opposition. He knows. He knows. He needs you. He, he's chosen to need you to pray, to serve, to give, to love, to forgive, to forbear. Jesus, we thank you for paying for all of this at the table. As we come here now, may we examine ourselves and proclaim your death until you return. We do this in Jesus' name. And everybody said...